the big bark. Listen up, dog owners. It's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark. Hello and a big welcome to The Big Bear Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Burke. And, as always, I'm joined by my wonderful two Kenna co-hosts, Bruno and Millie, who are well, they're enjoying the nice sunshine that we're having. But they're also being very careful, staying in all the shade, and I'm hoping to get them a swimming pool now, a new swimming pool or some sort of water feature in the next few days to keep them nice and cool, because I really think that they do need it. So, it's been a... Uh, sure, look, it's been a not-so-bad week. Uh, not much excitement has happened in the last couple of weeks when you consider the exciting week that we had a couple of weeks ago. But it's been pretty okay. And we have a decent show coming up for you today. So first off on the show coming shortly, we will tell you okay, canine conundrum. Uh, we will give you a reminder a bit later on of our secret breed. And we have a special feature coming from Dr. Siobhan O'Neill in Three He Vets. Chatting all about veterinary nursing. And we also catch up with Samantha Rawson who is chatting about leash training your puppy today. So all that and more to come on today's Big Back. So first of all, let's just jump straight into it and start off with our canine conundrum. So this is one that we got in there during the week and we put this up on Instagram in the last day. Uh, hi, Big Back. Hoping your listeners can help. My 10-year-old Labrador has become very antisocial and does not seem like himself lately. He used to play all the time with other dogs and I used to get lots of kisses from him when I came in the door. Recently, all he wants to do is sleep, and he does not even want to cuddle up to me or welcome me home. And I'm worried something is wrong with his mental health. My vet said health-wise he is fine, but he really is not himself lately. I read dogs can get depressed, same as people, but our circumstances haven't changed. Have you or your listeners any advice? So we put this out there, and we hope that you will take part in Instagram on this. We've had a couple of responses into this. Uh, one said here, this was from CDC Animal Therapy, who said read up on cognitive dysfunction, and also read up on canine dementia, uh, which you can do online. Canine dementia scoring, you can do online. Some med supplements can help, and I would this person says, I have a jumping point with several medical issues and he's very unsettled, consistently walking around. We also have a response in from the Crayscape training and they also say here, could be the early onset of dementia. I won't rule out joint pain unless lots of tests have been done. Try doing something different with your dog. Set up front scent trails in the garden or around the house. Or a lick mat has a dual purchase of challenge, but licking also creates calm. Snuffle mats are a good one. Uh, maybe go for a new area for a walk. Get a picnic blanket and just sit and reconnect with your dog watching the world go by. That's lovely advice. Uh, gentle massage is another one that came in. Uh, creates a nice bonding session with your dog. And don't rule out that something may happen to change the dog's behavior. Maybe an incident with another dog or a fight to get in the house. 
Uh, here's another one. Try build up your dog's confidence with a few training sessions. Hand touch training is good for focus and bonding. So thanks for those thoughts on that. If you have any thoughts yourself, then be sure to check it out on our Instagram page and leave your thoughts, leave your comments. We'll be more than happy to read those out on the show. So yeah, it's um it is quite a interesting one really. Um like look, I know dogs can get that bit more antisocial as they go older. It can depend on the breed. So my advice would definitely if you haven't already well this person has checked with dog bear already, the vet says the dog is healthy. But just look into different things like these comments that have come in online and if anyone has any advice for our uh, for our listener here who needs advice then just um be sure to drop do- drop that advice on the instagram page on the big back instagram page so uh with that first of all what we're gonna do is we're gonna remind you a bit of our competition and our competition is in association with Brandy Dog Foods, and we are giving you the chance to win three months' supply of Brandy Dog Food for your dog. All you have to do is go to brandydogfood.com. You'll see the Big Bear competition there. Click on the enter button. You will be asked to enter your details along with the secret breed. So the secret breed, as we have told you over the last few weeks, is... The Bunny's Mountain Dog. So be sure that you do uh, look up, uh, be sure that you enter the competition and you can enter as many times as you like. Competition closes on the 4th of August 2022. Uh, So be sure, get your entries in before that. We will be announcing the Secret Breed a couple of more times. I believe next week will be the last time actually. That will be announced. It. So we don't announce this on our page. Be sure that you get it here. So you have to listen in to get the secret page. On that note, we're going to go over now and we're going to go to the our clever canines, which is brought to you by the Canine College and Dog Trainer and Behaviour. Samantha Rawson joins us on Clever Canines again today to chat about leash training your puppy. Clever Canines on the Big Bark is brought to you by the Canine College, run by champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson, a regular contributor to RT Radio and Television. Samantha is a certified canine behaviour consultant and with 30 years experience in the field. She has the knowledge and understanding to help any dog. Our services include individual dog training, from basic to competition standard, Assessments and behaviour consultations. The Canine College is set on five acres with a secure paddock and an indoor classroom. See thecaninecollege.ie or find us on Facebook for more information. And we're back again on Clever Canines this week. And that is brought to you by the Canine College. And we're delighted to welcome back Samantha Rawson. Samantha, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dara. So, Samantha, last week we touched on house training and we're going to continue in that order now and we're going to go on to uh, lead training next and how lead training is so important for a new puppy and how it's important to actually get her right. 
Yeah, um, in the course of my work, Dara, I see so many puppies that have been overwhelmed because their introduction to the lead has been done um, the wrong way. Um, so it's really, really important to do it the right way and not to overwhelm the pup. So the right way is you introduce a dog to the lead, maybe, you know, in a, over a week that you let him trail around the garden or you put it on a long line. So the way I start with puppies is I put them on an actually a really long line. So I've, like, you know, I'm talking about 10, 15 feet of a line. Um, and I, I let them kind of trot around the garden or trot around the yard with that. I'm holding it. But because it's so long, they don't feel like they're being restricted. Um, and I just follow them. So wherever they want to go, I just follow them. Um, so then when they're quite happy with that, then I might pick them up, put down a little bowl of food, pick them up, carry them away from the food and get them to walk back to the food. OK, so again, I'll do that about, you know, three or four or five times. Then maybe on the fifth go, so there's still some food in the bowl. I've picked up the puppy, carried it away, walked it back towards the bowl of food, and then halfway there, I'll stop. So I want him to realize that there's an end to this line. So he thinks he's heading straight for the food, and then I'll stop. So when he kind of figures out that he can't go any further, and he kind of looks at me in bewilderment, then I'll go, good, and I'll carry on. So that stop is really important because that stop gives the dog the feeling on the collar or the harness. Now, I always train on collars, but it's the same principle if you're going to use a harness. Um, so it's exactly the same process. Then once I've done that for about a week or so in the house and around the garden, only then will I start to bring the puppy in outside. Now, the puppy has to have its full vaccinations before you take it outside. Um, you can certainly bring it outside before it's full vaccinations if you carry it or if you have it in a car. Or I see a lot these days puppies in prams, which I think is a great idea to, to let puppies see the world without them, maybe without running the risk of coming into um, contact with various diseases. Um, so it's really important that you get your puppy out in the world, even if it hasn't had its inoculations. And, you know, just make sure he's off the ground. And he's not meeting other dogs, other unvaccinated dogs. So then with the lead, then I will carry the puppy down the road. So maybe only, you know, 500 yards down the road. I will carry the puppy, put him down and get him to walk back to the house. OK, so he is taking in all the information of the outside world. And this is really important if you live in an urban area or near traffic. Um, but all he's thinking about is getting back to the house. So maybe actually we could go back a step. Maybe I would on the first one, I would maybe only go 100, 100 um, meters, then 200, then work up to 500, maybe 500 to begin with is a little bit too much. But the idea is that the puppy is being carried away from safety and being allowed to walk back to safety. So the puppy always knows where he's going. And that is the opposite of what most people do. Most people put a lead on a dog and drag it out into the big bad world. And in doing so, overwhelm it and frighten the bejesus out of the poor pup. Um, so, and then you have all sorts of behavioral problems that can develop from that. So that's why introducing the lead to a puppy the right way is so, so important to prevent behavior problems um, down the road. Excuse the pun. So if you live in a quiet area, 
and maybe you know the main road is a, a few streets away. So again, once you hit the main road and your your pup is happily walking around an estate or whatever, you don't just assume that because the dog is trotting around your estate fine that he's able to cope with a busy main road. He's not. So you do exactly the same thing. You pick him up, you carry him a few yards down the main road, and you walk him back into the nice, quiet housing estate. So anywhere where it gets busier or, you know, there's lots of traffic, like motorbikes, cars, trucks, buses, you carry him down there and you get him to walk back so that the traffic isn't in his face, literally. It's in his peripheral vision. It's behind him as he's walking back to safety. Um, the other really important thing is to watch your dog's body language. The amount of people that I see out walking puppies and they're not even looking at their puppy. They're probably on their phone or they're listening to something or they're chatting to their friend. When you've got a very young puppy, you've got to watch him all the time because his body language will tell you how he's feeling. Um, if he stops, you stop. If he goes to stick his head under a bush, you let him stick his head under a bush because that's a coping mechanism. Sniffing is a coping mechanism. It's, it's his way of finding out about the world, but it's also a way of pausing and giving himself a little rest and letting him kind of gather his thoughts before he trots on again. So that stopping and sniffing is absolutely vital to his emotional welfare. Um, and, you know, then when you bring him home, you would only literally do this for 10 minutes, no more than 10 minutes, absolutely 10 minutes is max. Then when you bring him home, maybe give him a little bit of food and put him in his little secure area, put him in his puppy pen and let him have a break. Or maybe bring him out to the garden before you do that, actually, and let him have a pee before you do that. Let him have a pee because going for a walk in the early days is quite stressful. Um, so let him have a pee and then bring him in, give him a little bit of food, put him in his puppy pen and let him then relax. And Samantha, what are, a lot of people wonder, what are the views on using the extendable leads to train, like a oh, lead trainer? Yeah, yeah. A, a very good question, Dara. Um, most dog trainers detest flexible leads um, because they teach bad manners and they teach bad habits on a lead. Also, if that thing slips out of your hand, it's then chasing the dog and the dog will run away from that, you know, horrible big plastic square thing. So I don't like them for puppies at all. Really, they were invented to bring your dog to a green area and give him a little bit of a run without letting him off the lead. Um, and if I'm going to do that, I would just give him a big, long line. I would just get a big, long, you know, puppy training line or a big rope from the hardware store and, and give him a run that way. I, I don't think flexi leads are appropriate to be walking down the street with. Um, and they give dogs mixed messages. I personally can't stand flexi leads. Um, and I'm amazed there hasn't been a lawsuit because they are highly dangerous things. Okay, thanks for that, Samantha. And I suppose one other uh, thing that we've seen a lot of in recent years would be the likes of the healthy head collars. What would be a trainer yeah. for in and adults? Um, I really like the head collars. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the halty head collars because I think there's too many straps. So I prefer a simpler design. So my kind of um, design of choice is the gentle leader, um, which is a very simple head collar and was the kind of the originator of all the head collars. That was the, the first one. Um, so I do like head collars for 
strong dogs that maybe people aren't able to control or anybody who has some kind of medical issue. So they have a physical reason why they can't control the dog. So they're really important and, and very useful to help control a dog. However, they are not suitable for every dog because some dogs genuinely have a panic attack with them. Um, some dogs feel you know, quite claustrophobic with them. Um, and like all training, anything, whether, whether you're doing house training, whether you're doing lead training, whether you're introducing a head collar, whether you're introducing um, a dog crate or a dog pen, anything you're introducing to a dog has to be done slowly and systematically and has to be done with rewards because you can't just put a head collar on a dog and take him off for a walk when he's never worn a head collar before. So you would put the head collar on, give him a few rewards, maybe play with him, you know, trot around the garden, get him to be all kind of happy and cajoly and, you know, in a good mood and then take it off him and completely ignore him. So you're trying to associate the head collar with lots of treats and fun and, and being happy. And then once you take off the head collar, it's like, no, nothing happens now. You know, it's all very boring. Um, and that's how you train it. But again, the dog has to be very, very comfortable on that head collar before you would ever take him out on the road. Because if a dog panics on a road with one of those things, you could be in serious trouble. So I always try and make sure that the dog is comfortable. And if the dog is panicking and really, really doesn't like it, well, then I'd say, fine, this, this isn't suitable for this particular dog. So they don't suit every dog and every dog has to be treated as an individual and taken on its own merits. That's great, Samantha. And any final, uh, I suppose, any final tips for us today? Um, yeah, I suppose anybody who's who's having a problem with a puppy or is worried about, you know, introducing a lead, maybe seek, you know, seek me out or seek a professional out. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of do WhatsApp consultations with anybody. Um, you don't have to be in the location. I can do WhatsApp consultations, but it's just my big passion at the moment because I see so many issues when puppies have been kind of dragged out into the big bad world. Fantastic. And if you have any questions, reach out to Samantha on Facebook or on the canaancollege.ie. And thanks again, Samantha, as always, for being with us today. And we'll have you back again next week. Thanks, Clever Sarah. Canines on the Big Bark is brought to you by the Canine College, run by champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson, a regular contributor to RT Radio and Television. Samantha is a certified canine behaviour consultant and with 30 years experience in the field, she has the knowledge and understanding to help any dog. Our services include individual dog training from basic to competition standards, assessments and behaviour consultations. The Canine College is set on five acres with a secure paddock and an indoor classroom. See the caninecollege.ie or find us on Facebook. And a big thank you again there to Samantha Rawson for joining us on Clever Canines, brought to you by the Canine College. So that was a very informative little session about leash training your puppy. And we're going to continue that conversation next week again with Samantha when we just keep the conversation about puppies going and just the development and the growth from your puppy. And we'll keep it going in the same, like, kind of, I suppose, just forward kind of linear type I don't know, linear type scale type thing. Like a story nearly. From puppy to goat. And our next particular session now is actually quite interesting. If you are someone who's considering a career change and 
as I always thought about working with animals and would love to work in a vet. So like get an idea of what it's like to be a veterinary nurse or a vet. This week we went over to Tree Vets, who are our sponsors for our health up here. And we had a good chat with Dr. Siobhan O'Neill. And Siobhan told us all about life as a veterinary nurse and the different aspects of a veterinary nurse, what they have to do on a day-to-day basis. And this is actually a really interesting piece here. So we're delighted now to welcome Dr. Siobhan O'Neill back to chat about life as a veterinary nurse. Do you have a pet in need of a vet or do you need some health advice for your four-legged friend? Whether it's for a regular checkup, microchipping, vaccinations or critical urgent care, you can rest assured knowing that your pet is in loving hands at Treaty Veterinary Clinic Limerick and Shannon. Providing care for your pet since 1986 at Treaty Vets, your pet is our priority. Call our 24-hour number 061-328-511 or make an appointment through our website, www.treatyveterinaryclinic.com, or find us on Facebook or Instagram, Treaty Veterinary Clinic, proud sponsors of the Health Hub on the Big Bar. And we're back on the Health Hub again this week, uh, brought to you by Treaty Veterinary Clinic in Limerick and Shannon. And would like to welcome back Dr. Siobhan O'Neill. Welcome back to the show, Siobhan. Hi, Dara. Thanks for having me back again. Lovely. And Siobhan, are you enjoying the nice weather? Oh, I'm loving the nice weather. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could see more of it now. We've been very busy, so I'm inside a lot. But um, I'm off this weekend coming now, so I'm really going to enjoy the. I'm really going to enjoy the nice weather. Fantastic. So, Siobhan, yeah. like we had a great response last week to uh, your piece on senior dog care. People loved it. And today we want to switch gears a bit and we want to talk about something that I've actually never, I suppose, had anyone talk about on the show. And that is a career in veterinary nursing. Yes. So, okay, Siobhan, I'm going to let you lead the way with this one today because, look, to be honest, my knowledge on the area is very, very slim. And the only exposure I'd have to a veterinary nurse is when I take Bruno and Millie in to see John and yourselves inside. So, Siobhan, tell us about a career in veterinary nursing and why is it, like, I would imagine it's a great career. I'd imagine it's a very hard career as well. Absolutely. uh, Tell us all about a career in veterinary nursing. Okay. Well, first of all, I just like to start by saying I started out as a veterinary nurse um, before I went on to study veterinary. um, And I absolutely loved being a veterinary nurse, um, loved my job. And that's why I really, really wanted to talk about this on the podcast today um, to kind of just let people know what exactly a veterinary nurse does some people are like have no idea what they do um and just for people as well that are thinking about doing veterinary nursing um you know a lot of people would think they're like glorified cleaners or you know that they don't get to actually interact much with the patient or with the vets and which is completely untrue I mean a vet as a vet you just cannot work without a veterinary nurse absolutely not um so the first thing I'd like to say is the veterinary nurse um, looks after the patient. Um, 
they are there to they give the medications to the patient and the inpatients that we have sick patients that are in the hospitalized for days at a time the veterinary nurse um walks the dogs um multiple times per day um the nurse will do feed the dog if the dog is in eating or the cat is in eating they have to syringe feed they give the medications they're looking after the patients um 90 of the time we come and check the dogs and we do the surgeries and we do the ultrasounds and we do the x-rays and we diagnose things um but it's actually the nurse that's looking after the patient um the other thing is then for uh surgeries when we're doing a surgery, we have to have the patient monitored at all times. We have to have an anesthetic record and we have a multi-parameter monitoring system where you monitor the heart rate, the respiratory rate, the temperature, the blood pressure um, and the, the percentage of oxygen in the blood. The veterinary nurse does all of this. Um, you are concentrating on your job. Your job is to either, you know, you're in an emergency surgery or even if it's a routine surgery like um, um, a dog castration or a female neutering or something like, like this you're just concentrating on your surgery you're, you're it's up to the veterinary nurse to monitor the anesthetic so not alone are they managing the inpatients all day every day they're monitoring the anesthetic they're basically um anesthesiologists as well um they do they take the x-rays for us we read the x-rays um they do nurse consultation clinics which can be anything from dental clinics to obesity clinics to puppy classes giving loads of advice on this um so yeah that's a, basically the role of the veterinary nurse is so important and in most practices, um, the nurses would put, when we have a patient that's been admitted to the hospital, first of all, we need to place an intravenous catheter. That's a catheter that goes into the vein. The nurse would place that. If we need a blood sample, the, the nurse would usually take the blood sample. The nurse will run the bloods. If we do any lab work, we whether it's if we take a urine sample or a blood sample, or um, if we've got an infected ear and we take a swab, we give this to the veterinary nurse. The nurse does most of the lab work. We come and look at the lab, lab work as well. And we look at the microscope and we can tell this and tell that. But the nurse prepares everything. Um, the nurse will have all the surgery set up for you in the morning when you come in. Um, they'll have most of the drugs ready to go. And you obviously assess, you know, you check everything that they've done, but they have everything organized for you um the organization skills are impeccable um so yeah that's just what I wanted to say I mean I, I we couldn't we as best we couldn't do our jobs well I certainly couldn't anyway without the without having our nurses that's fantastic and Siobhan okay so I want to ask you a couple of questions if you don't mind so yeah for me I suppose the first question I want to know and it's something that I'd say a lot of our listeners would love to know what is the most rewarding part of being a veterinary nurse? Um, well, I think for me, when I was a veterinary nurse and also being a vet, um, and I think this goes for all the nurses at Treaty Vets as well, um, who are all amazing nurses, by the way. Um, they, I think if you have a very sick patient, um, for example, a patient with maybe pancreatitis or a patient that's eaten something that's had 
abdominal surgery and it's taken a few days to you know it takes a, a few days maybe a week possibly even two weeks it could be in hospital it could be very very sick um so you're nursing this patient every day you might not be seeing any improvements and then one day just turns a corner you might see a wag of a tail the dog will start eating again or the cat will start eating um and then sending the patient home once the patient sees the owner you when they're reunited and the dog jumps up on the owner and you just see the two of them back together again um i think that's one of the most rewarding things yeah as a veterinary nurse do you know sure. i can probably like i suppose i can kind of see that as well like uh millie was in with yourself sarah a few years ago uh she had a very bad case of pyometria and had to be operated on yeah and like i know the care that the nurses and and all the staff outside yourselves uh gave to millie was unbelievable and the day that i actually went in to pick her up she literally just jumped into my arms and like yeah this, this is like uh she was like a 30 something kilo labrador so it, oh it, my it, god it yeah. was kind of hard to catch her but just to see it's like, really hard yeah when the dog is in the hospital environment it's completely different to their home environment so we have to try we try and treat every patient as if they're our own um you know you have to spend time with each patient you have to um give them the you know if they're not eating you have to try multiple different types of food heat up the food try hand feeding them if they're not eating that way then you have to start syringe feeding them if they're not taking the syringe feed then you have to place it you have to tube feed um lots of things like that and then also it's very very easy to get attached to your patients and sometimes you you know on a i have to say that um it doesn't always go it's not always a happy ending shall we say um if the dog doesn't you know it has got a terminal illness um it really affects us it really does affect us and it does because you're nursing the patient you've been nursing the patient for weeks or even a patient that you're seeing as an outpatient um you know that comes in once weekly for checkups and things like that you get very attached to these patients and there's a lot of patients that we would see on a weekly basis for say diabetic patients or skin patients or patients with tumors that we're just treating with palliative care um, you get very, very attached to these patients. And if the owner has to make the very, very hard call of, um, you know, putting the animal to sleep, if they've no quality of life, it really affects us as well. And we have to continue on on a day to day basis. You know, uh, you have to you have to go on to your next patient. You don't just have one patient. We have multiple patients on a daily basis and you just have to keep going. And sometimes it's really, really hard. Um, so it's good. You, it's really, really important to have a really good team. So that you can all support each other. And you know, that, was, that's really that was actually what I was going to ask you. Like that, like that clearly has to be the hardest, the toughest part of yeah. working in a vets, like in any capacity. Absolutely. So, yeah, Siobhan, for people, say, I suppose, especially now they're looking at their career options, like you have a lot of people right now, especially who have just finished the leaving search and are looking at, Perhaps okay if veterinary nursing as a future career. Well, first of all, how how can they go about it? Okay, well, first of all, I'd highly recommend it. If you have any interest in um in animals and working with animals, first of all, what you need to do is you need to get some work experience at a veterinary clinic. 
and not just a day or two you need to be there for at least a week if not two weeks to see how the nurses work so not only did they are the nurses doing what i've mentioned already the nurses are um sterilizing instruments they're sterilizing drapes they're getting everything ready for surgeries the next day preparation um they are doing multiple other things they're stocking up the shelves there there's lots and lots and lots involved it's a very multitasking um very multitasking job um so anybody interested in doing it they must go to um a veterinary clinic and get some work experience that's 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 a hundred percent nobody can go into veterinary nursing without seeing what the actual career is like because it's very difficult it's very challenging um you work very long hours it's not a nine to five um sometimes you can be on call you can be called in in the middle of the night for an emergency say if there was a cesarean section um you can be called at any time now you're not going to be on call all the time you obviously you share the rota with the other nurses um but yeah number one and we do take veterinary nurse um you know we do we do take student veterinary nurses and um we teach them as much as possible you know how to take bloods how to put in catheters um and basically you kind of pay it forward anything that you've learned um from previous like so when i started off i started doing um going in on my weekends and in um holidays I started going into treaty vets um to try and get work experience and just to see if I actually liked you know if I really wanted to be a veterinary nurse um so it's dedication really as well you know you have to be able to give up your free time to see if you're willing to if that's what the, the path that you want to take and then there's lots of different options um regarding study so um, I think um, a lot of it is based on CAO po points now. I'm not sure what the points are, but when I was doing veterinary nursing, um, I studied in UCD, um, but there are lots of other universities and, or not even universities, but um, um, technical colleges around the country now that are doing um, veterinary nursing as well. I think there's one in Letterkenny, there's one in Athlone, there's one down in Cork. So there's lots of different ways and lots of different um, areas of getting into veterinary nursing. You could do like a pre-animal care course, first of all, and then see if you could get enough work experience and then get into, um, then apply for your veterinary nursing. If you're not sure that you want to go straight into nursing, I would advise doing like a pre-animal, pre-veterinary nursing course, which is possible, or else an animal care assistant. So we also have animal care assistants in our practice and they would basically take the dogs out for walks um, make sure that um, they basically be assisting the veterinary nurses. Anything they need, um, they're very important as well. So an animal care assistant, you could start as, uh, as an animal care assistant and go from there. Fantastic, Siobhan. And Siobhan, one, I suppose one final word from you. Uh, what would be, I suppose, your one tip for anyone who is considering a career? Um, okay, so, God, one tip only. Okay, well, it's um, you need to be really, really dedicated. Um, and you need to be able to separate your work from your personal life. You can't bring your work home with you. 
um, which is very difficult to do. And sometimes I do it myself. Um, I think all vets and nurses um, do this, but you have to learn how to build up um, almost like a wall. Um, once you leave work, you're always thinking about your patients, constantly thinking about your patients, but you have to have some downtime as well, because otherwise you're just going to burn yourself out. Um, and work experience, that would probably be it. Um, just you need to get as much work experience as possible. Be sure that that's the career that you want to do. And um, if it's not, that's not the end of the world. You can always change courses. Um, but yeah. And then talk to other vet, talk to vets, talk to other veterinary nurses, um, really, you know, interact with them and, you know, get, tell, ask, every, every practice is different. Um, our nurses do a lot of work, you know, they, they do, we couldn't, we couldn't work without them. Um, so you have to talk to, I would talk to nurses from multiple practices, not just one practice. And I would try to, I would try to see, um, um, I would try to get work experience in multiple practices as well, not just one practice, just to see what are the, all the differences in, in between different practices. That's fantastic, Siobhan. And Siobhan, thanks so much again for joining us today on the that's Health Talk. Fun. And we'll hopefully have you back again soon. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much for having me, Dara. Take care. Take care. Do you have a parent in need of a vet? Or do you need some health advice for your four-legged friend? Whether it's for a regular checkup, microchipping, vaccinations or critical urgent care, you can rest assured knowing that your pet is in loving hands at Treaty Veterinary Clinic Limerick and Shannon. Providing care for your pet since 1986, at Treaty Vets, your pet is our priority. Call our 24-hour number 061 328 511 or make an appointment through our website www.treatyveterinaryclinic.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram Treaty Veterinary Clinic proud sponsors of the Health Hub on the Big Bark and a huge thanks again there to Dr Siobhan O'Neill from Treaty Vets on the Health Hub brought to you by Treaty Vets for giving us a real insight into life as a veterinary nurse telling us all the different stuff that a veterinary nurse does on a day-to-day basis. And, like, as you can see, it is quite a spectacular-sounding job. And, look, I know myself, I thought years ago I'd love to be a vet, but I couldn't deal ever deal with the hard parts of being a vet. It's, it's something that I could never actually deal with. And we're going to have... Uh, Dr. Sean O'Neill back again to chat to us next week and we'll have Dr. Ashley Bugler from Treaty Vets also back to chat to us very soon as well and we're going to keep our conversations with Treaty Vets keep on going same way with our keeping the sessions and our lovely clever canine sections going with Samantha Rawson over at the Canine College now that's all the time we have for you today so I'd like to thank you all for listening if you would like to follow us, we're on all the socials. We are on Spotify, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on TikTok. Uh, the Big Bad Podcast, find us on that, on all of those there. We are still not fully set up on Patreon. I'll get around to that at some stage. 
Uh, find us on Spotify, on iTunes, Podchaser, Podtrack, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast, Google Podcast, you name it, we're on every single one of them. And we're also on thebigbart.ie, which is our website, if you want to find out more information. If you have a canine conundrum that you want to submit to us, you can do so via our WhatsApp, which is up on our Facebook and Instagram page. So you can do it from there. You'll find all the details there, and you will be able to listen to all previous episodes as well through our website or through your favorite podcast streaming platform. Um, Well... That's all for this week. I'm Daryl Burke, and thank you for listening to The Big Bark. The Big Bark, listen up dog owners, it's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Daryl Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark. <laughs>